Yeah, I got an email a couple weeks ago from a friend. And uh, the, the email had a link. It had a note that said, you've, you've got to watch this, uh, this video from uh, Pastor Erwin Lutzer. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of emails like this. So, you know, sometimes, I, sometimes I'll listen to a video or watch a, a video. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times these videos are from people who want to sell me something. So, but this is a good one. I, you know, it's from a friend. So I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll watch it. You know, it, it looked like something I wanted to see. The title was uh, A Burden for Prayer. A Burden for Prayer. And uh, in it, uh, Pastor Lucer, who, by the way, used to be the senior pastor at the, uh, the Moody Church in, in Chicago. He's talking about the, the importance of prayer in a, in a pastor's life. And uh, anyway, I, I pondered this word uh, burden. You know, what does it mean when somebody has a burden? Uh, you know, burden is not always a, a good thing. You know, Jesus spoke of the uh, scribes and Pharisees laying burdens on people that they wouldn't lift a finger to, to carry themselves. You know, they, uh, it, it encumbers people. Yeah, he said uh, they tie up burdens hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Okay, so I don't want that sort of burden. Uh, Jesus talks about how if we're carrying a burden that's heavy and hard to bear, that we should, we should lay it down. You know, take, take his yoke, take his burden, which, which is light. You know, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, you know, what, what is this, this burden? And, uh, you know, the sense in which uh, Luther was, was talking about the, the burden is, uh, you know, that of conviction from the Lord. Conviction. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a response to the uh, stirring of the heart that, that uh, God performs. And we, we, all, through, all throughout Ezra, we, we kept seeing that, you know, God stirring people's hearts, people responding. And that, that theme is going to continue through uh, Nehemiah, which we're starting this week, Nehemiah 1. And as, as we read this first chapter, uh, we're going to see exactly this. You know, God is calling Nehemiah to, uh, to do a task. And that task is to, uh, to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, uh, rebuild the gates. And in the first chapter of Nehemiah, we see, uh, him, we see Nehemiah going to God in prayer. This, this whole chapter almost is, is dedicated to uh, Nehemiah's prayer. It's very instructional because... Uh, what should be the first thing we do when we face a crisis? Take it to the Lord in prayer, right? And prayer, you know, prayer is not the only thing we do, but it should be the first thing that we do. Well, anyway, open your Bibles with me to the first chapter of Nehemiah. Read with me in your Bibles. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year that I was in Susa, the citadel. But Hananiah, or Hanani, excuse me, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, those who, those who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates are destroyed by fire. 
And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. And I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and statutes and the rules that you commanded by your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. There are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand, O Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, as, as uh, we look into your word this morning, I, I pray that uh, you, would, you would speak to us, Lord. Kindle the, the fire in our hearts to have a passion for for you and, and your purpose and, and your people, just as, as Nehemiah did, Lord. We pray, Lord, that uh, you give us your vision for what you would like to accomplish in us and, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll, we'll do a brief introduction of the book, but you know, most most of the... Uh, sermon today is going to be about Nehemiah's prayer, and uh, we can we can derive several really good principles from this prayer to help us in our own prayer lives. Well, Nehemiah was a a very trusted official in the uh, the Persian royal court. He it says he lived in Susa, which was the uh, the capital. He he was living a life of luxury, really very close to the king. You know, he's kind of the king's. Uh, uh, attendant, he was the cupbearer for the king. Pretty cushy job, you know. One one of the things that he would do would be to uh, taste the the king's food or, or wine to make sure it hadn't been poisoned. So except you know, except for that one thing there, uh, you know, it's a, a pretty good job, pretty pretty good gig. Anyway, uh, it was it was a position of, of great title and of responsibility. Uh, he would he would work with the king, serving him, uh, being in uh, you know the king's confidence. So he's the cupbearer of the, of the king of Persia, Artaxerxes one. We uh, we saw him in Ezra uh, chapter seven, Artaxerxes one the first. As Nehemiah begins his story, he's there in Susa where Artaxerxes has a winter palace, and uh, Kislev is the uh, the ninth month of the year. Now, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem in 444 B.C. 
And uh, he, he arrived there about 13 years after uh, Ezra had, had returned. And in the book of Ezra, remember how we saw that under the leadership of uh, Zerubbabel and the, uh, the, the priest Joshua, uh, the people rebuilt the temple. Now, Nehemiah, God is going to use. He's, he was a great leader. He was, God was going to use him to uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The, uh, the city had become vulnerable to attack. Any, any malicious group would have a pretty easy time attacking this city with, without walls. Defenseless. And so God raised up Nehemiah. He, he gave him a concern for, for Jerusalem. He gave him a, a, a very deep felt concern for, for God's people. And he gave him this vision to uh, what needed to be done, a, a resolve to complete the work. And so news comes to Nehemiah from Jerusalem. This, uh, th- these Jews who've returned to their capital after years of, ex- of, of exile are struggling to survive. They've got the temple, which was a great start. But, you know, and... and you know, with, without walls and gates to defend the city, um, the city is very, very vulnerable. So the narrative begins with uh, this report that Nehemiah gets from one of his friends, one of his kinsmen. And so uh, the first chapter is about Nehemiah's prayer to God regarding this report. Let's look at the prayer. Let's, let's see what we can learn from uh, Nehemiah's example. You know, first Nehemiah's prayer was, was an informed prayer. Nehemiah asks. He becomes aware of the problem. As the book opens, he's in exile, living in the king's palace, uh, very close to the king. So Hanani and some men for Jerusalem come. Nehemiah asks them, you know, how's it going down in uh, Jerusalem? What's going on? How are the people? How's, how's the city? And, uh, you know, as I'm reading through this, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if that had been me asking, it might have been kind of a, uh, just a casual question, you know. How's it going? I'm not sure what Nehemiah's interest was, but, uh, you know, maybe he was just making polite conversation. You know, maybe he'd heard about the rebuilding of the temple, how Ezra had gone back to Jerusalem. Uh, two waves of, of people had returned. Yeah, how's it going for them? How... How about the, those who had uh, remained in the land during the exile? You know, whatever happened to them? How are they doing? Uh, but when he, when he told, when Hannah and I told uh, Nehemiah what was going on, they were experiencing great trouble and shame. The walls were broken down. The gates were burnt. It hit him hard. And it immediately drove him to his knees. Immediately. He, he got down on his knees in prayer before God, and he, he mourned. He wept, he, he, he fasted and, and prayed for days, it said. It's actually many days, probably about four months. But we can see that God is, is stirring Nehemiah's heart here. Again, this is a, a theme in Ezra and Nehemiah. God stirs hearts, people respond. We can see how God moved in Nehemiah's heart. And first, God gave Nehemiah this, this great concern, a personal concern about the, the welfare of the people. You know, he asked about them. What's become of them? How are they doing? 
How's the restoration work coming along? You know, his, his prayer is an informed prayer. Our prayers should be in, informed prayers. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to pray for you or you or you, and I know nothing about you, what am I going to pray? It's probably going to be kind of a, a vague prayer, right? But if I spend the time to get to know you and ask you and you tell me what kind of issues and what kind of problems you, you have, I'm going to know how to pray. Uh, when, I was, when I was in seminary, uh, one of the classes I took, uh, World Missions, uh, Dr. Young, who, who taught that, he said, you know, people who, who go to a, a country as a missionary don't usually just all of a sudden one day say, hey, I'm going to uh, wherever, you know, I'm going to Poland. That's where, that's where he went. He said, no, normally people hear about the place. God might give them a, a, an interest to, to learn more. And he was really pushing this, this one book called uh, Operation World. I don't know if you've seen that before, but it, it lists every every country in the world and a lot of a lot of good information about you know how how many believers are there? What are the challenges? What's what's the political climate? What's the religious climate? What's the economy like there? And he was encouraging us to uh, spend time going through this book and, and praying for the uh, the people in the in these very the, these countries. You know what are what are the people like? What what are the problems? Um, what are the needs? And, you know, Dr. Young said as God stirs their hearts, they, they learn about the people. They, they pray informed prayers about the people in, in these countries. And all this prepares the, the missionary to, uh, to go and to do the work of, of bringing the gospel to another country. You know, how, how do we pray about people if we don't know anything about them? You know, if I if I see somebody walking down the street, uh, I can I can pray for that person, but I'm I'm not really quite sure how to to pray. But if I meet him, talk to him, my prayers can be more specific. So when Nehemiah heard this report about the troubles in Jerusalem, God moved him to to sorrow. He moved him to prayer. He mourned for days. He, he fasted and prayed and prayed, seeking direction from from God do you remember do you remember how Ezra said uh, God's hand is good on those who seek him you know we, we can see God's hand on Nehemiah as Nehemiah right now is is seeking God about the, this matter and it was during this time of prayer I believe that God really put this this task on, on Nehemiah's heart you know to go to Jerusalem to rebuild just as just as God had, had stirred the heart of Cyrus, the king, way back, remember the, the very first part of Ezra, God stirred the heart of the king to send the people back to uh, rebuild the temple. This is what God was doing in the heart of, of Nehemiah. You know, give, giving Nehemiah this, this burden, so to speak. Well, this chapter contains Nehemiah's prayer for his kinsmen. I'd, look to, I'd like to look at uh, how his prayer demonstrates some good principles of, of effective prayer. And, uh, you know, by the way, God has given us a lot of prayers in the Bible. I've, I've got a book at home that a friend gave me. It's called All the Prayers of the Bible. And that, that book's actually pretty thick. 
There are a lot of prayers in the Bible. Why has God given us these prayers? I believe for us to, to learn from. You know, the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that, that needs to be our prayer, doesn't it? That, that needs to be our desire. Uh, there's, there's always more to learn. We're, we're in the school of prayer until the day we die. And, uh, you know, there are very various patterns. Uh, one of them that, which is really useful is uh, it uses the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. We've talked about that a little before. A is for adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication. So I'd like, I'd like to go through this, this prayer of Nehemiah's and, and look at each one of those. A-C-T-S, adoration. Confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So first adoration. Yeah, his prayer begins with worship and, and praise, adoration. We you know, we give God praise. We we worship him for who he is. For who he is. Nehemiah begins his prayer acknowledging these these praiseworthy attributes of God. Look at what he's saying. He begins by saying, Oh, oh God of heaven, great and awesome God. You know, he's, he's acknowledging God's transcendence. Remember, Jesus began the, uh, the Lord's Prayer that way, this, this prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, our, our Father in heaven. You know, he's, he's, he's high above anything in this world, above anyone in this world. He's, he's holy. He's unblemished. You know, he's, he's mighty. He's powerful. He's the, uh, he's the creator God, the one and only the one and only God. He's not a God among many gods. He is the, the God. Psalms 86, 110 says, For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. God's awesome. That's a word that's overused, isn't it? I had an awesome breakfast this morning. Your t-shirt is awesome. You know, we, we've weakened the, the meaning of that word. Uh, you know, the fact is there's, there's nothing uh, trepidation-inducing about that, uh, that video of your cat that you posted on Facebook. But God alone is truly awesome. And the word carries, uh, carries the meaning of, of fear and, and trembling Nehemiah continues, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. God is a God of covenant. He is a God of of promise. He's a God who keeps his word, keeps his promise. He doesn't go back on his word. He's he's not fickle and and capricious the way we are. He he won't go back on his covenants with his people. His love is is steadfast, it says. He, his love is a, a loyal love. Tom mentioned that word, a hesed, hesed. It's used all over the place in the New, the New Testament. God's love is a covenant love, a love of promise, a loyal love, steadfast love. So that's adoration. The next is confession. We see that in here, don't we? And we get, we get some good instruction here. You know, when, when we sin against God, we need to uh, humbly bring our confession. Remember in Ezra? Without excuse to a merciful God. And that's what Nehemiah is doing right here. He prays. 
Verse 6, he prays this, confessing. He, he, he says towards about the people, confessing the sin of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statues, and the rules that you have commanded your service, Moses, servant Moses. <clears throat> now, just the same as Ezra did, if you, rem- if you recall, he says, we have sinned. We have sinned. He is taking personal responsibility here. He acknowledges his own sin. He acknowledges and confesses the, uh, the corporate sin of, of the people. We have, we have sinned. He says, even, even I and my whole family, we're guilty of disobedience towards your commandments. He says, we have acted very corruptly. Uh, the way, by the way, the way this is constructed in the Hebrew is kind of interesting. Uh, in, in Hebrew, if, if a word is going to really be emphasized, it'll be repeated. So, you know, literally, um, he's saying we have acted corruptly, corruptly. <laughs> I, I knew this guy that would say stuff like this. He would say, that's not only bad, that's bad, bad. And Nehemiah is saying, we've been bad, bad. We've been corrupt, very corrupt. This is confession. Well, thanksgiving. Now, what's the difference between praise and thanksgiving? You know, praise is, is worshiping and acknowledging God for who he is. Thanksgiving is worshiping and acknowledging God for what he has done, for what he is doing. And we don't, we don't have in this prayer the words, thank you. But we do see a heart of gratitude. You know, I can I can thank my my wife without saying thank you, can't I? You see, that's a great meal. You you do this very well. You know, that's that's a heart of thanksgiving. We we see that here. Nehemiah's prayer, uh, you know, he shows thanksgiving by acknowledging that that God keeps His covenant. His steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You know, he's, he's addressing God with, with a heart of gratitude, a thankful heart. He knows what God has done. He's observed it. He's heard about it. He, uh, he's aware that God does and has kept his covenants with his people, bringing them back from exile according to his covenant. He's observed God's love towards his people. His, his steadfast love. And when we're not thankful, what are we? What do we do when we're not thankful? We grumble. We, we complain. And we don't see that here. We don't see Nehemiah saying, oh God, why is, why is it taking so long for you to, to make sure this all gets done? Why is, why is your city in ruins? He's thanking God for what he has done. So that's thanksgiving. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and finally supplication. That's probably a word you don't use uh, in, in your common everyday conversations, right? Supplication? I don't. Uh, what does that word mean? We see that word several times in in the New Testament. Request, yeah, it's uh, 
It's an earnest and, and humble request. Earnest and humble request. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, we see the word, In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're invited to bring our burdens to him. Why? Because he cares for us. In John fourteen fourteen, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You know, we're told many times in the Bible to bring our requests towards God. Now keep in mind, uh, you know, Nehemiah is living in this, uh, this uh, palace in a capital city with the king. He's, he's living in luxury. He's, uh, he's, <coughs> he's living in, in safety and security, quite different from the people who he's praying about. You know, he's, he's praying for these people who live in insecurity and, and they live in a vulnerable place. You know, the gates and the walls are torn down. They're, they're vulnerable. And we can see God has given Nehemiah a heart of empathy towards these people in his supplication. You know, this, this is where we see Nehemiah's burden. He's moving. God is moving uh, Nehemiah to pray for these people and he wants to help them, encourage them. You know, Paul, Paul says in Galatians 2.2, 2, Galatians 2.2, 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the life of Christ. Um, you know, over the last uh, number of years since I graduated from seminary, I, uh, I've regularly like maybe quarterly gotten gotten an email from this guy who I've never met his name is uh, Colin Green he's with the uh the uh alumni association at Dallas Seminary and um yeah these these emails always had a little note of encouragement uh yeah I think it's the same note going out to everybody and a line saying that I'm I'm praying for you uh, well okay that's that's cool I didn't really think a lot about these emails. Uh, I get a lot of emails. Anyway, last summer, uh, Colin sent me an email that was different. He said, I'm going to be in the area. I'm going to be in Washington, and I'd I'd like to uh, just stop by and say hi. I'd like to talk with you. And uh, he did. He came up here. He treated uh, Chris and I to a really nice meal in, in Spokane, nice restaurant. Uh, we we spent hours talking, two or three hours, wasn't it, Chris? It was a long time. Uh, he he did not ask for money. He didn't ask for anything. He, he came here to help. He came up to encourage. He came up to find out specifically what we were going through here in this town, in this church, so that he could pray specifically for us so that he could go to God with, you know, in supplication and, and pray for us. Uh, it, was, it was amazing, really. I, I, was, I was pretty impressed. It, it had a big impact on me. I, I needed his help, especially at the time. I needed his advice. I needed his prayers. By the way, I need your prayers. We all need each other's prayers. So what does Nehemiah say in his prayer? Verse 6. 
Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. He's, he's making, Nehemiah's making an, uh, an earnest and humble request and appeal to God on behalf of these people. Verse 10, he says, They are your servants and people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to, attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of man. Now I can, repl- I can relate to this prayer on behalf of the people. You know, I, I pray for you guys a lot. Uh, I, I pray for this church most every day. And... Uh, I, I kind of laughed to myself when I when I was looking at verse ten, where he said, "They are your servants. They are they are your people. You're the one who redeemed them." And I often say things like that, like, "Lord, this is your church. You are the head of this church. These are your people. These are the people who you purchased with your blood." You know, it's not like God needs to be reminded of these things. It's that I need to be reminded of these things. It's not my church, Lord Jesus. It's it's yours. It's your mighty hand, not mine, that will that will build this church. This is Nehemiah's prayer. Hear my prayers. Hear the prayers of your people. Now, in the uh, in the next chapter, <laughs> chapter two, we're not going to get to that today. But Nehemiah is going to go to the king. He's going to ask the king to allow him to go to Jerusalem to uh, to rebuild. God has given him this this vision, and he's going to put it into action. He prays, "Grant me success as I go to the king of Persia. Grant me compassion as I stand before him." So this is this is acts adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. This is a great prayer. I'd encourage you this this week to to read through this prayer every day. There's there's one other thing I'd like to uh, talk about, point out in in this prayer, and it's this that Nehemiah uses scripture in his prayer. You know, when when you pray, are you ever at a loss for words? Do you ever get distracted? You ever sit down to have a devotional time with with the Lord and you just say, okay, I'm just going to dedicate this time to pray and, okay, what do I say? There's so many many distracting thoughts. Uh, You know, your your daily tasks, your, your cell phone that's sitting right there, you know, Oh, somebody just texted me. Maybe you're not feeling creative. What what do I say? You know, and uh, using that that pattern acts is is useful. I would encourage everyone to use that. Uh, using the pattern uh, the pattern that Jesus taught his disciples in the Lord Prayer is good. You know, there there are many things we can learn. And, and develop its habits in our prayer lives by, by examining the prayers in the scripture. Um, 
Using scripture in our, our prayers is powerful. Notice how Nehemiah brings scripture into this prayer. He quotes Moses. Moses said, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples, uh, all, all this stuff here. You know, this is part of his confession. He acknowledges that, you know, what God has told these people uh, stands, but the people have not been faithful. Uh, I like to pray with an open Bible in front of me. Use God's word. Pray through it. Pray the scripture. The Psalms are really useful for that. You know, in, in the Psalms, I can, I can read about the, the wonder of God. Praiseworthy things, the attributes of, of God. I can, I can read about confession. I can read plenty about thanksgiving and, and supplication. You know, as part of my devotional time with the Lord, um, I, I like to pray through the uh, the scriptural passage that I'm that I'm reading. You know, just take take the passage and, and look at it. You know, what what are the what are the praiseworthy attributes? Use those for adoration. How can I respond to what's in this packet, this passage? You know, does it does it bring conviction to me that, that leads to confession? You know, what do I what do I see in the passage that, that brings to mind the things that God has done for me? Thanksgiving. How, how does it lead me to pray for needs, uh, my needs, someone else's needs, supplication? Well, as we uh, as we conclude, you know, the, again, dis, the disciples asked Jesus, "Lord, teach us to pray." Uh, that needs to be our request that that He teaches us from His Word to pray uh, earnestly, effectively. Uh, you know, may we be people of praise, confession, thanksgiving, and and supplication. You know, may our may the Lord give us compassionate, empathetic hearts towards towards one another in our prayer. May we uh, gladly bear one another's burdens in, in our prayer. Let's pray. Um, Lord. Uh, this, this passage for me is valuable, Lord, because in it I, I learn how to pray. Lord, our hearts can be cold. Only you can light the fire and, and, and fan the flames. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, let us be people who just look to you in in awe, in in wonder. Lord, thank you for my uh, brothers and sisters here today. I ask that your your good hand would would be on them this week. In in Jesus' name, Amen.